0: Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He is not Spencer Penny Strode. I am Adam Pop's Papa Giorgio. I am going solo for this one. I've been busy with work related things this week, and Penny has much more important personal stuff to deal with at the moment. That's always going to come first. I'm going on vacation for over a week beginning tomorrow, Friday, and I frankly didn't want to wait a week and a half further to talk about this team. Not with Steve Clifford and Charlotte coming into town Friday. Uh, so you just have me for this episode. The Magic are 0-5. Hopefully they won't be 0-6 after Friday night, but they're 0-5 as of this recording. Worst record in the league. The only winless team in the East. Uh, we are leading the league again in man games lost due to injury. It's maddening. Worse, Jamal Mosley has us playing badly with some intriguing coaching decisions. That's putting things kindly. And it appears some players are either struggling or have regressed from, say, six months ago. If not for Paolo Benquero having a historically amazing first five games of his NBA career, things would look bleak. they look a little bleak now, but they'd look a lot worse. Uh, because Paolo is a star. He's a stud. And when you have a star that young, at 19 years old, and under contract for many years, there's always hope of what's to come for this franchise. Let's go. All the way, straight down the lane, the power jam. Point guard on a 7-6 Here's Lewis turning on he shoots. Yes! And one and Here's Turkoglu for the win. All right, I got a lot on my mind, and uh, you know, when it's just me, which it happens very, very rarely, you know, I was obviously doing the Franz Wagner Eurobasket stuff solo, but uh, you know, for the vast majority of our decade of podcasting together, uh, Penny and I have been doing these together i really really try to avoid ever going solo without him so um it's going to be an interesting prod because he like he he does a good job of keeping me in check so i could be bouncing off the wall especially when you know the magic are zero and five this is their second time in magic history i believe in magic franchise history that they've started a season zero and five uh, I think the record is zero and six for uh, most the uh, consecutive losses without a win to open a season, which I think goes to the ninety or ninety-one team. I, I could be wrong. I'll let uh, others correct me on that. But um, yeah, it's it's grim out of the gate. I I had us winning thirty-four uh, wins, so I had us going thirty-four and forty-eight. I had us at one and four at this point, so you know we're technically only you know, a game off my thirty-four win pace. So that's kind of the silver lining a little bit there. Um, I do have the Magic winning Friday night against Charlotte because Charlotte, whether they like it or not, I thought they were going to be tanking. Now Gordon Hayward is healthy and has not playing pretty well, and Steve Clifford he he maximizes talent when, even though he he took a lot of crap you know in Orlando. I think Magic fans. Ever so slowly are uh, are turning around on on their opinions on Clifford, but Steve maximizes talent. He gets he gets the most out of it, and even though LaMelo Ball may or may not play, that's uh, on Friday night. That's going to be a scary game for the Magic. Um, so you know, in my predictions of them winning thirty four games, you know I, I would have them two and four after Friday night. So hopefully the Magic can actually get their first win of the season against the Hornets because if they don't. It, it gets rough. You know, you guys know that the, that rough uh, road stretch is coming up really rapidly. And, um, you know, when you're a bad team at the bottom, there's no easy games. Period. Simple as that. I do want to give a quick uh, Franz Wagner, the next wonder kid, uh, German Basket Magazine. Uh, congratulations to uh, Twitter handle uh, at Deville. Uh, he won the uh, the giveaway contest, and actually, the magazine might be in his hands uh, once I press publish on this podcast when it goes out. So, congrats! Um, we had a, a, a very good amount of uh, entries for the contest, so I appreciate everybody who participated. I appreciate everybody who listens to this, and I'm just gonna get going now here because uh, you know the last pod we did it was our season predictions pod, so we haven't talked about any of these five games that have happened. You know, before the season opener in Detroit, the NBA took away the Magic's only nationally televised game on TNT, which that's coming up. That's next week, November 1st in Oklahoma City. Chet Holmgren being out had to be the reason why that happened. Uh, you know, they wanted to see Paolo and Chet go against each other at Summer League in Vegas. That didn't happen because Paolo kind of tweaked his ankle and he he came out of that. And then obviously because Chet Holmgren uh, got hurt and had this season ending surgery basically, uh, after the incident in Seattle at the, uh, crossover pro-am, we're not going to see Palo this season. So a um, TNT pulled the game, which means Bally sports is going to broadcast all 82 games now for better or worse. Maybe we'll get flexed in later in the season into a game down the road. But, um, you know, especially with Palo Ben Caro playing as well as he is like, Oh, we'll, we'll get to that later on. Uh, you know I've never seen a game get flexed out in the NBA the first 2 3 weeks of the season I've just never seen that happen and it's it's just bs it's call it national media bias or national broadcaster bias but it's uh yeah it's very unfortunate but no worries uh now something to worry about is our injuries at the moment I mean we've got six guys out with uh you know all of them are either starters or in the nine or 10 man rotation. You could argue Uh Moritz Wagner. You know, he got hurt that the tail end of preseason and he hasn't played a, a minute this regular season yet. And initially, I mean, he was diagnosed with a, an ankle sprain similar to the ankle sprain that kept him out of uh FIBA play with Germany um, that his brother Franz starred in. But I think a week or two ago, it got updated to a, a right mid foot sprain. So I, I don't know what happened with that, but uh, you know, Hopefully Mo Wagner's close because we need him as I'll get to with kind of looking at the roster and statistics. Like he is easily the backup center. If the magic aren't tanking um, most recently, Cole Anthony, uh, you know, in the Cleveland game after the Cleveland loss, this latest loss that we had yesterday or Wednesday, um, you know, again, I'm, rec- I'm recording this Thursday evening, October 27th. Uh, and yeah, he's got a right internal oblique injury, and it's it's unfortunate because he's basically our only point guard, or was our only real true point guard, because we still don't know what's going on with Markel Fultz. You know, he's got that li- left big toe fracture that he suffered, what, a month ago, and I guess my definition of minor and jeff weltman's and the magic training staff's definition of minor are completely different maybe they view like a major toe injury as it needing to be amputated or something because like you know when you're out a month that's kind of major um especially when it comes to like a toe injury and i've i've suffered a a toe injury or two in my life and that's a pain in the ass but i never missed a month because of it. obviously i'm not a pro athlete and you know, I was still participating in sports though, and yeah, it's a pain in the ass to get right, but um, it was kind of adding fuel to the fire when that uh, those Disney photos came out, where the Magic uh, extended their partnership with Disney, where the, you know Disney's still going to have their name on the uh, on the Magic's uh, jerseys, and I'm sure they're still going to have the Disney atrium as you enter Amway Center. As the same, and for the picture release, you got Markel Fultz in the Mickey Mouse gear, which is fine. It's I, I have no problems with it. Like it, it's fine. Have fun with it. The photo shoot might have happened the day he broke his toe. Like, are we sure that wasn't how he broke his toe? Kind of like how Jonathan Isaac messed up his ankle when they did the photo shoot at M- the NBA experience at Disney Springs. Like it'd be it'd be. It'd be hysterically, sadistically funny if that's how that happened instead of, you know, how Fultz says where he broke it in his house, which I believe. Like, I have no reason to to think he's lying. I don't, I don't have trust issues with him the way I do with Jonathan Isaac. But um, speaking of Isaac, he's still out. Some say he's out because of the hamstring surgery that he had in the spring. Some people still list kind of his left knee injury recovery as the reason he's out. We really don't know for certain why Jonathan Isaac's out. And if it's as simple as, hey, we just want to build his body up to where this doesn't become an issue again, then you need to say that because they've never even come out and said that even, that little basic bit of info. And we could use Jonathan Isaac's defense because our defense is not good right now. Not Very little about the Magic's good. Um, Gary Harris, we haven't seen him this regular season either. He's out with that left knee uh, injury recovery. And it's around that timeline where you would expect shortly for him to, to see the floor. Uh, you know, he, he was, even before training camp, there was video and photos of him getting working. And, you know, he, we've seen him at practice, in practice videos. He looks fine. He looks ready to go. So he's got to be really close. Um, and then Jalen Suggs, you know, he's only played two regular season games this season. He's got that right ankle sprain um, that he suffered in Atlanta. And I'll go over that and, and more later on. But it is it is tough to win games when you're missing six key pieces, like six really key guys. Um, and we'll see how they go from there. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because, like I said, now with this Cole Anthony injury that's just happened, um, the Magic, I don't know if they're going to apply for an NBA hardship exception and try and – sign a a free agent point guard just so that we have an actual true point guard on the floor or if they're just going to kind of roll what they got you know are they actually going to give rj hampton consistent minutes um i'll dwell on that a little bit later heck maybe you do a trade with the lakers and be like sure we'll take russell westbrook here you can have these contracts but it it Money wise, it's the Magic can't do a straight up trade with the Lakers. It'd have to be like a crazy three way trade at a minimum for the for that to even be a be something possible. But um, I'll talk briefly, I guess, a little bit going through kind of the games somewhat because, like I said, this pod isn't about going through games single handedly for the most part. Just because we record, you know, every few weeks, every month, every month and a half. So, but. You know, last Wednesday was the season opener in Detroit. Mosley, similar to what he was doing the preseason, which I was fine with because it was preseason, still experimenting with lineups and rotations. And I just view it as a subtle tanking move because some of our players are just not settling into the games and it throws the entire on-floor lineup off. Um, and, And some guys that do get into the game it's not for nearly long enough. Just a minute consistency just isn't there, and it's just tough to find a rhythm because of that. That Bancaro poster on Corey Joseph was just insane. Like, Corey Joseph, I, I'm still looking for a proper photo of that dunk. Like, I've seen the overhead photos of that dunk. I haven't seen one from under the basket. Like, that's the one I want, where Bancaro's going over Corey Joseph. Uh, but, I mean, even that first game, Palo and I'm going to talk about breaking records a lot with him because he deserves it and he's doing it. But Paolo had by far like the best rookie scoring debut in magic history. You know, he had that 20, the 27 points, which I think doubled the high, the next highest rookie total in magic history for, you know, it's the magic have a weird history where even like their great rookies, like, uh, let's see, like Shaq, Penny, Mike Miller, uh, you know, Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott. Oh, Scott's a poor example, but, um, you know, heck even like a Matt Hartbring or something or Michael Doliak, like it's, it, it, this 27 points blew everybody else out of the water. And those 27 points were the most that a number one pick rookie debut, uh, had since Allen Iverson dropped 30, which was also in a loss for the 76ers in 1996. So that's not you know this is something that not even a guy like LeBron James has done, um, and that was a game that we should have won. But the common theme, and I'm going to repeat this because it's a common theme, is as good or decent as Terrence Ross and Cole Anthony have been offensively, they give it all back on the defensive end, uh, especially late in games. Like those last three, four minutes of a game, like the the posing teams are keying in and trying to get. Cole and Terrence into as many vulnerable defensive situations as possible. And when your perimeter defense is as bad as it's been currently, because we don't have guys like Suggs, Gary Harris, Fultz, you know, we don't have those guys that are better defenders than Ross and Cole. That leaves our better defenders like Franz and Wendell looking kind of mediocre at times because they're getting dribble penetrated on like crazy. And, we're not stopping that. And that's really the issue that, that it's come down to at the end of some of these games. Like, the Magic should have won that Detroit game. Game two in Atlanta, Suggs guarded Trey Young really well. And then Franz Wagner shut down the Jante Murray, too. And then that game flipped and changed when Suggs hurt his right ankle. Now, it, it didn't help, too, that you know he was shooting really well in that Atlanta game. And then he hurt his right ankle. Thankfully, it only appears to be a sprain, so who knows how long he's going to be out for. But it's it could be it could have been worse um, had the MRI revealed anything rougher than a sprained ankle. Um, but again, Atlanta picked apart Ross and Cole at the end. Um, you know, Trey Young caught fire going at Cole because we didn't have Suggs to guard him, um, and then. It didn't help that John Collins was actually probably Atlanta's best player in the game. Like, John Collins feasted that night. Game three against the Celtics. You know, we're going into it 0-2, second night of a back-to-back. It's just a brutal home opener to have. Like, the the NBA schedules, schedulers that approve that need to be punished in some way because for the past 25-plus years, I mean, heck, maybe since the inception of the franchise, so all 34 years that the Magic have existed— there's that five to 10% of season ticket holders that are loyal to the magic, but they come from new England and they're always going to have those Boston Celtics roots because, and they pass this down to their kids as well. Um, because of, you know, those Larry bird, Mikhail, parish type successful teams. And I, I mean, I, I don't blame them. Um, you know, I never lived in Philadelphia, but you know, my, my dad's side of the family immigrated from Greece to Philadelphia in 1970 and they were there from 70 to 85. Um, Matt Guccis' mom was my dad's English teacher, like, um, so that's why Matt Guccis is always gonna have like a soft spot in my heart because my dad, de- if my dad actually had like signatured gear and like a basketball and shoes that Matt Gukas actually gave him, that I don't, I've never been able to find those back in Greece because that's supposedly where there are is uh, up in northeast Greece and Cadeni, but that's another story. But um, you know, I I hold on to those other philadelphia sports teams that i love you know i'm stoked that my philadelphia phillies are in the world series it's been amazing it's the only reason that's keeping me much more sane watching this magic team than i normally would be is this phillies team run has been phenomenal but i'm also philadelphia eagles fan i'm a philadelphia flyers fan that's where it ends with the philly stuff like i'm not a sixers fan um, if the Magic aren't in the playoffs and you know the Sixers are up for a championship, like I'll, I'll I'll be happy for them if they get it. I'm not gonna openly root for them like I say I I do for like a Giannis Dedocumbo, uh, because that's a Greece thing. You know, I have my Greek loyalties, you know. I love uh Olympiakos and, and Eurobasket or and Euro League basket play and soccer and you know with Orlando it's I like the Solar Bears, you know, minor league hockey doesn't matter, but I like them. I'm a gigantic Orlando City fan. I've had season tickets for Orlando City since 2014. Um, I was super, super happy when we finally won that, won a cup this season. Um, and just, you know, in that early playoff exit doesn't bother me because we won that cup. That Lamar Hunt Cup is a big deal. Um And then obviously with the Magic, I've been a Magic fan since birth, since I could put memories together. I didn't attend my first Magic game till 1997, but I was watching games on TV as a little kid, and obviously it was a good time because that's when Shaq came in, that's when Penny came in, and we were great, but... Going on from there, you know, going back to the, the home the home opener against Boston, that game three, of uh, that third game of the season, you already know because of all those Magic fans, Magic season ticket holders, and then just people from New England in general that have moved to Orlando and live in Orlando, and there's always some tourists as well because it's nicer weather here in Orlando typically than it is in Boston this time of year. There's always going to be almost half the arena, if not more, Depending on how good or bad the Magic are, and depending how good or bad Boston is, where there's going to be just a ton of Boston Celtics fans. And so for the NBA to schedule that game as our home opener is bullshit. And I, you know, moving forward, it's always been good. It's always worked that our home opener has been with some type of Southeast Division team, be it even the Heat. Bring on those fake Heat fans. That's fine because we actually play Miami good out of the gate. Every single time we that we host that you know that we play them opening night, bring on the Wizards, bring on the Hornets, bring on the Hawks. Like that's fine, bring them on. But that was another game. That was the third game in a row that the Magic could have won, probably should have won. Um, and that was with a bunch of Celtics fans cheering on a team that made it to the finals, you know, a couple months ago. So, but Derek White and and, uh, and Tatum were just immense in this game. Um, And we keep losing games late because opponents are widely going after Ross and Cole. Again, missing guys like Gary Harris, Suggs, and Fultz, it's a big deal. It freaking sucks. Paolo Bancaro became the first teenager to score 20-plus points in each of his first three career games in NBA history. That's a thing that happened. like that, that. If you think of all the stud teenage talents that came into the league, none of them have done what Paolo Bancaro has done. Um, and then Paolo is the first NBA player to record at least, oh, well, at that time, was, you know, was it the first NBA player to record 20 points, five rebounds in each of the first three career games since Bill Cartwright in 1979, 1980. Like we're, you know, again, this isn't stuff that LeBron James was even able to do. There's there, when you, once you get past like 1990 and go deeper it's it's completely different eras, like, entirely at that point. Um, I mean, we're talking 79 This is when the Magic Bird era is beginning. Like, that's insane. Um, and then that fourth game in New York is where things have really started to kind of... The wheels have fallen off a little bit. Because that next game, like, Tom Thibodeau's team just kicked our ass. Um, we, we, we easily could have won in that game. And we hung in tight in that game. But it just became noticeable because of our lack of depth and because of just these weird rotations that, you know, magic fans were properly suggesting that not staggering Paolo and Franz's minutes. It's just, it's a missed opportunity because both those guys can handle the ball. And when your bench is kind of as weak as it is at the moment, like it's okay to let Paolo and Franz cook, you know, each on their own as, as the actual ball handlers, because, it's not like Mosley's playing R.J. Hampton. So then at that time, all you had was Cole Anthony basically being point guard. Which then meant Paolo and Franz were kind of running the show at times anyway. So I don't see why you couldn't stagger him them, stagger them and have him kind of lead the bench unit. That's a subtle tank move in my mind to not do that. Like it's tough to view it any other way than that. Because you're playing Paolo and Franz a ton of minutes anyway. Or at least you're giving them a lot of responsibility anyway. Like why can't you let them do that? OKK oh, and Bamba, they shouldn't be seeing the floor. Like th- th- this was my decision at that point, you know, in the middle or late in Game Four uh, of the season, where it's like guys like Bol Bol, Caleb Houston are better. You know, Chuma's consistency just concerns me at this point. Um, Houston and Bol should be getting Chuma and and Bol and uh, Bamba's minutes. Moritz needs to come back, and when he does, he and Bull would probably lead that bench front court, uh, where Bull would be the power forward. Um, our defense, rebounding, discipline are just lacking badly at this point. I don't know if it's frustration. I don't know if it's we're doing a lot of stuff that we weren't really doing last season. Um with that next game, Bull and Paolo, they they would kept it, you know, they kept us afloat in that second quarter. We got out hustled after, you know briefly having the lead in the third quarter. Like the Knicks really turned it on from there. And the offense is just not great. There's too much ISO and no flow in our offense before guys are launching shots. Like it's, it's happening way too often now. And it, it used to be like a few positions here and there, you know, during games. And it's like, well, okay, they're young. And some of them are just shoot, you know, are are just trying to are, are thinking they're getting good shots off but it's it's now becoming very noticeable and i'll get to actual statistics here soon to kind of show that well actually let's let's do some of that now because you know looking at this it's it's not great like I, pace doesn't mean a lot but the magic are 21st uh, in pace and when you're like the third or fourth youngest team in the league like you can't be that slow um our offensive rating, I mean, look, our points per game, 104.2 points per game. That ranks 28th out of 30 teams. Um, Offensive rating, 28th in the league as well. Defensively, not that great. You know, oppo- opposing scoring points per game wise, we're giving up 113 per game. That's good for 16th in the league. So it's not, it's not bad, but with this team, they're easily capable of being a top 10 defense. Like for them to make to make have any shot of getting close to the play in, they have to have a top ten defense. And our defensive rating is worse. It's 21st in the league. So it's it's not pretty. Um you know, looking at opposing numbers that we're giving up, um three point wise, it's not good. Like we're twenty we're twenty fourth in the league in giving up three point makes. We're twenty-sixth in the league when it comes to three point attempts. So we're we're giving up attempts Um, we're giving up, we're giving up just a lot of attempts at the moment and we're getting burned for it because we're playing a lot of zone defense. And I don't know if we're just doing that because of bowl. I mean, even when bowls not on the floor, we've been playing some zone and it's just not working. I don't understand why we went, we're going away from the defense that worked pretty well last season where you didn't have to play zone to now we're playing zone. I don't know if you're trying to hide Cole and Ross and bowl, it's not like coaches admitted to it, but it it helped his cause if he kind of at least met, you know admitted that, hey, you know we feel that, uh, you know our 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 team as a whole defend at the moment based off of our current roster, you know our defensive strengths are in our team defending, and that's why we're in zone right now rather than the type of individual abilities that are available to us right now. Like if he said that, like that's fine, you know I guess I can I can live with that, but not communicating any of that, that's the frustrating thing, um, you know, offensively, the Magic are dead last in assists at 18.2 assists per game, that can't happen, when you have guys that, that athletic that can cut, to be dead last in assists per game is horrendous, it's bad, um, you know, I already mentioned points per game. We're twenty eighth. Three point percentage. Our three point percentage is twenty eighth in the league. We're shooting twenty nine point nine percent from three. Our attempts are better. We're nineteenth in the league in attempts, which that usually isn't the case for past Magic teams, you know. So, um, but percentage is bad. Obviously, three point makes is twenty seventh in the league. That's bad. Free throw attempts. Last season we were one of the best free throw. Make teams in the league. We were fifteenth in the league, and we're fifteenth now in the league in free throw percentage. Which obviously that's dead middle, but this team is like top five, top ten in free throw percentages. So that needs to go up. It's at seventy six point seven. You'd like that to be you know almost close to eighty percent with this team. There's no reason why it it can't be. Um, and it's starting to tick up, but just we've left a lot of free points on the board. Especially in the first week, you know, in those first three losses that we had, like we, if we make free throws better, we would have, we would have done a lot better than and three in those games. And we'd be, we wouldn't be winless at this point. That's, that's for certain, um, turnovers. They seem high. We're 20th in the league at turnovers, 15.2. Like it's come down. It was really bad coming out of the gate. It's still not good. Um, I think Brian Hill said it and, or actually no, the Cleveland Cavaliers broadcast actually said it, but 14 is the league average. So 15.2, it's not as bad as it was before. We are also committing a lot of fouls though. We are 23.8 fouls per game as a team. That's 26 in the league. We're fouling way too much. Um, And just defensively, again, it's, you know, we're, we're losing rebound battles, uh, at least offensively, like we're coughing up almost 12 re- offensive rebounds per game. That ranks us 18th, which I actually thought it'd be a lot worse. Defensive rebound wise, um, actually, sorry, offensive, re- yeah, we're, we're giving up 11.6 offensive rebounds to, to opponents. Like I said, that ranks 18th. Um, defensive rebound wise, we're actually sixth in the league. We're only giving up 31.8, so we're actually kind of middle of the of the situation. We're 14th in total rebounds given up per game at 43.4. So if it looks like we're not boxing out and we're giving up, you know, rebounds at bad times, that's kind of what's happening because the numbers suggest that we're actually not rebounding that bad. It's just really bad timing from a rebound perspective. Um, Especially late in games with offensive rebounds or just, we're not, we're not grabbing rebounds. I mean, our total rebounds, we rank 13th in total rebounds collected. You know, it's about the same, both offensive and defensive rebounds. I would argue with our size, we should be top 10, a top 10 rebounding team. Um, Hopefully we'll get there. I mean, the biggest concern, like I said, it's assists um, and it's personal fouls and it's our dog shit three-point shooting, three-point shooting, three-point percentage. Um, Because, look, like I said, I talked about the free throws. We're in the middle of the road. Free throw attempts because of Paolo on his own. The Magic are at 24 free throw attempts per game. That's 12th in the league. That's amazing. We're usually bottom five consistently in free throw attempts per game. So the fact that we're already 12th in attempts, that's awesome. I love that. And again, 24. Paolo has nine of those per game. Paolo Bancaro in these first five games is averaging nine free throw attempts per game. That's sixth in the entire NBA I'm going to give you the top 10 guys in free throw attempt average per game. Going Again, I'm recording this Thursday night, so ignore any of the stuff that's happening tonight and, and going forward. But John Morant's first at 10.8 free throw attempts per game. Giannis Adetokounmpo, second, 10.7. Kevin Durant, third, 10.3. Trey Young, same thing, 10.3. Fifth. And he might win sixth man of the year, but I, I, I'll i be surprised if Christian Wood is still averaging 10, point, uh, 10 free throw attempts per game um, in the next month. Bancaro's ne- under him, sixth at nine. And then the, th- the four other guys below him, seventh, Joel Embiid, 8.6. Booker, 8.5. Ninth is Damian Lillard, 8.4. And Jimmy Butler is 10th at eight free throw attempts per game. Those are some elite names overall. Um as just offensive beasts, offensive weapons and guys that are renowned for being able to get their points. So again, for Paolo Banchero to be doing this, that's freaking amazing. And I'm really proud of him for that. And again, he's the most excited he's the most exciting right rookie from a free throw perspective that the Magic have had since maybe Corey McGetty. Like I, I, I'm probably it's probably not true. There's somebody probably in between that was better as a rookie, but um I'm hyped for that guy and he's amazing going back to that Nick game real quick. Cause I want to talk about bull bull because the bull bull stuff is just awesome. Like I'm glad it's working out for him. That kid had a lot of magic fans doubting him and a lot of them have turned around on him real quick, like real freaking quick. Um, you know, in that Nick game, bull bull, he had a career high 19 points, which I think is more, than even his dad ever scored in a game. So um, let's see. I already talked about the zone defense stuff. Um, you know, because of the zone defense stuff, and because again, we're losing, we're we're weak on perimeter defending with guys like Cole and Ross out on out there on the floor playing minutes down the stretch. It's gonna hurt the block, the shot blocking capabilities of guys like Wendell, and especially even Bamba. Even though I think Bamba's just motor is an issue in general, but. Um, yeah, it's because those guys have to help over so much because of the dribble penetration from the perimeter. And that's why like their rebound numbers aren't even that great, um, for, for all or most of our bigs. And yeah, let me get through, let me get through these stats now. Cause, um, I'll go with Bol Bull off the bat. He's played all five games, all of them off the bench. He's averaging 17.2 points per game or minutes per game uh let's see he's at 9.8 points per game that's good enough for seventh on the team at the moment for for points per game average he's averaging 5.8 boards which that's more than i thought he was going to average um let's see the shooting percentages bobo is averaging now a three point shot per game now and he's at 40 percent from three great awesome keep that up um his, he's got the best shooting percentage on the team at 63.6% from the field cuz he's he's hitting those runners, he's getting he's finishing in the paint, he's getting dunks and stuff like putbacks, alley-oops. The the guy's do it pretty good, man. Um and then the big the biggest thing with him is the 2.6 blocks per game. He's fourth in the league in blocks per game as ball ball. It goes what's it go? Brooke Lopez is first at 4.3 blocks per game. Uh uh, Vita Zubac of the Clippers at 3.3 is in a tie for second with Mitchell Robinson at 3.3, Mitchell Robinson of the Knicks, uh, who magic fans are quite aware of his capabilities, but then Bobo's right there in fourth at 2.6 blocks per game. He had that, what four block game that probably should have been a five block game. And then he has had like, he's had other games where it feels like he should have an extra block that then he gets credited for, um, but he's he's causing havoc and a lot of these blocks are coming from the perimeter. He's getting some in in the paint, um but he's not a center. I mean, Jared Allen proved that last night with the poster dunk on him which unfortunately was number 1 on Sport Center's top 10 plays, which sh- shocked me that that was number 1 because there was a lot of cool sports moments going on that night, but including, you know, the Donovan Mitchell dunk over Ross and even like the Donovan Mitchell one-handed rebound. Um, was really cool and impressive that led to an assist in a bucket, I believe. Um, and then round out the top five of blocks, you know, Nick Claxton is fifth at 2.5. So, and then Anthony Davis and John Collins are tied for sixth at 2.3. So, Bobo, um, Bo, man, racking up the block shots. And it's something you would expect a guy like Mo Bamba to do. And that's not happening. Mo Bamba does not have a block shot in five games this season. That's insane. The other guys that have not blocked a shot this season are Jalen Suggs. I'm talking guys that have played. Jalen Suggs, Chuma, RJ Hampton, and Kevon Harris. Everybody else that's played for the Magic has at least one blocked shot. Um, and for Mo Bamba, I mean, we got to talk about it. He's played in all five games. His minutes per game are down to 12 now. And they're going to keep dipping because, especially if, if Mo Wagner comes back, and especially if a guy like Jonathan Isaac comes back, um, those minutes are going to just keep dipping for Mobamba He's at 27.8% shooting from the field. 27.8. 16.7 three-point shooting. He's even shooting only 50% at the free throw line. Um, he, again, like I said, no blocks. He's averaging 2.4 rebounds per game in 12 minutes. And he's scoring 2.8 points per game. It's it, He's falling off a cliff. It's, it's unbelievable. Like, the only guy that's shooting worse than, than Mo Bamba is Kevon Harris, who's played three games at 14 minutes per game. So he's played more minutes per, per game as Kevon Harris than Mo Bamba, Chuma, and even R.J. Hampton. Um, but Kevon Harris, 14.3% from the field. He has not made a three-point shot yet for the Magic. He's also a fifty percent foul shooter at the moment, and look, his defense—it's—it's coming. It's, it's, it's going to come in handy. Like it's—he's—he's he's a respectable defender. That's—that's that's for certain. Um, you have to give him that. But it's not worth him playing more minutes than RJ Hampton. RJ Hampton is our best three-point shooter. He's only averaged uh, half an attempt as RJ Hampton in the eleven minutes that he's played, but. You know, he's only averaged two points per game in the four games that he's played. He got a DNP in the Cavs game when he definitely should not be getting any DNPs. And he might end up starting now this Charlotte game is Hampton. That's where we're at with R.J. Hampton. He might freaking be starting now, even though, for some reason, Jamal Mosley has him in the doghouse. And I don't really understand why. Because he's still shooting 50% from three. He shot 40% catch-and-shoot threes last season. He was... Our second best three-point shooter behind Devin Kennedy. And Devin Kennedy is not on the roster. Um, I know Magic fans, even though he's with the South uh, South Bay Lakers at the moment. Um, I think that's, how, yeah, whatever. Lakers G League team at the moment. You know, Magic fans are calling for Kennedy to to, to be signed now that the Magic don't have a true point guard. Devin, no, no offense, man. Like, you're an amazing shooter and scorer you're not a true point guard. We need a guy that can actually distribute the ball and break down defenses. And he, he can't do that. So that, that rumor has got to end real fast. But, um, yeah, let's, let's get to some of the good at least here. Cause with Paolo Bencaro, he started all five games. He He's averaging 34.6 minutes per game. So a lot of these starters are averaging more minutes under Mosley than Mosley's ever played guys before. Um, but Paolo Benquero is at twenty-four points per game as a rookie. In you know at thirty-four thirty-four point six minutes per game, he's getting his shooting percentages up. Um, you know his three-point percentage—it's creeping up. It's at twenty-eight point six now. He's that's going to hit the low thirties quicker than you think because he's capable of, of hitting threes and he avoids kind of the the forced shots. Um, he'll. He'll bury a few more than than what he's had. Point than what he has overall this season. I mean, he's getting up 4.2 attempts per game, so um, that's a pretty healthy number. 44.8 field goal percentage. You want that closer to 50, but I mean, again, he's he's being keyed in a lot. He's being double and triple team. Like in that Boston game, that third game of the season, like we almost won that game, and then Jay and then Jason Tatum, who is gonna be an MVP candidate he might finish top three will Tatum in MVP voting um this season decided to finally just he had enough and he's like I'm guarding him and for a rookie like Paolo to get that type of respect from a guy on Tatum where Tatum's like I don't care what the coaching staff has planned Paolo Bancaro is killing us I'm guarding Paolo and he played him he played Paolo pretty good towards the end there but for palo to get that type of respect to be averaging the numbers that he's averaging right now i mean 7.6 rebounds per game is solid uh 3.2 assists per game 1.6 blocks per game awesome 2.8 turnovers a little high at least he's you know he's still averaging more assists than turnovers so i'll i'll take that 80% from the free throw line that's great that's awesome man keep that in the 80s and you'll be golden man going forward um because again he's getting to the line nine attempts per game. He's making seven point two free throws per game out of those nine attempts. Like, keep it up, kid. That's it's awesome. I'm I'm impressed. Um I mean I gotta go for through some more of these records that he's been breaking because I mean he's the first player in their first five NBA career games to total 120 plus points, 35 plus rebounds, and 15 plus assists since Dominique Wilkins in 1982, 1983. So like not LeBron James, not Michael Jordan, just some just some absurd stuff if we're pulling up that type of thing. Um most points in the first 5 career games of a player in NBA history. Will Chamberlain 182. Jordan, get, some of these names, man, are just insane, man. I I swear it's it's absolutely insane, man. Will 182, George Mike in 147. Walt Bellamy, 142. Frank Silva, 141. John Drew, 139. At 129 is Elvin Hayes, Shaq, Oscar Robertson. At 124 is Jerry Stackhouse, Dominique Wilkins. And at 123, it's Jeff Petrie, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And then there you have 13 most all time, Paolo Bancaro, 120. This kid's insane, man. Um, and then I'm going to bring up Michael Jordan again because like I said Paolo Bencaro, 5 or 24 points per game through his first 5 career games, Michael Jordan 23.2 points per game. Anytime you're exceeding the greatest player of all time, which is Michael Jordan, it's not LeBron James. You basically have an argument, it's either Michael Jordan or Bill Russell. And I can't talk about Bill Russell because you know, he his prime was before even my you know my dad was out of elementary school so like i i can't talk about bill russell he's the ultimate winner amazing statistics just amazing on the floor off the floor type of person and it's yeah i mean it's it, it's either michael jordan or bill russell and i got to go michael jordan cuz i actually saw him play and I've seen LeBron James play. He is no Michael Jordan. For Paolo Bancaro to be above Michael Jordan in some of this stuff, it's insane. Um, you know, despite that loss in Cleveland last night, Paolo joined Shaq and Penny as the only Magic rookies to score twenty points in any five game stretch of their rookie season. Any. And Paolo's done this his first five. Um yeah, it's Man uh, I'm, I don't know man I, I, What other stats do I have um, Yeah I mean look Paolo Bencaro has scored I, I mentioned this before You know, He scored a total of 120 points this season Through 5 games The only rookies since the ABA-NBA merger To score more points Through their first 5 NBA games Are Shaq with the Magic In 1992-93 season With 129 points 9 point points more than Paolo And then, like, and then Dominique Wilkins and Jerry Stackhouse in their rookie seasons when they've scored 124. So, um, and that excludes, obviously, ABA veterans. We're talking, like, actual rookies getting into the NBA. So, it's just absolutely insane. Like, most games with 20-plus points to start a season for number one overall picks in NBA history, you got Elvin Hayes at 10 back in 1968. Further back than that, you have Oscar Robertson, the big O, with six in 1960. And there's Paolo Bancaro at five in the year 2022. Like, again, 2022, 1968, 1960. Just insane stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, just absolutely insane stuff. And, uh, you know, he's going to tie the big O if he does it again against Charlotte Friday night, which... He very well might be able to do that. Um, so that's where I'm at with Paolo. I mean, the kid defensively, he's gonna be fine. Like he's not amazing. He's he's really he's a very good one-on-one defender. It just gets complicated for him when he's being switched over, um, or if he's gotta worry about you know boxing out because t- timing a box out that's that that's tough, man. That's one of the underrated things in basketball because. Even though the Magic have had box out issues, some of those are just, even if you box out well, like they're coming off these long missed three point shots that are just getting launched like 15 feet out deep into, you know, almost back out past the free throw line towards the three point line. Like you can box out as well as possible. Like if the ball bounces off a rim that ridiculously, like there's not much you can do. And some of the box out issues are just t- bad timing with when they've appeared for the Magic. Because most people don't really notice a box out unless you royally fuck up in the last three, four minutes of a game. Let's be honest. Um, but part of that is not great coaching. Part of that is not having healthy defensive studs available uh, for the roster. Part of that is new roster, new players, new team. Like Paolo is still getting acclimated to, this, to his teammates. Like the whole team is still a lot of young dudes. And a 31 year old Terrence Ross, like it's that that's basically what it is right now, um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, all right, let's talk Franz Wagner because you know he started five games. Franz leads the Magic in minutes at 35 minutes per game. He's shooting 44.3 percent from the field. It's okay if he was cutting more to the basket, it'd be better. The 20 percent from three point range is not good. Like for every three point attempt that he's making five of those are misses. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not great. Even like his free throw shooting, it's 77.8%. Like this guy is an above 80% foul shooter. Um, he's averaging 3.2 turnovers per game. He's getting the four assists, but those turnovers are just way too high. Um, I still want him handling the ball. I really do. And 5.6 rebounds per game. That's fine. He's playing small forward and sometimes even shooting guard. Like it's and sometimes point guard even. Like it's it's fine. He's at 16.4 points per game. So he's the Magic's second highest scorer at the moment. And I'm not worried about him for yeah, you know, this happens with 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 international play sometimes where sometimes guys will come back and play amazing after an awesome international stint. Other guys it might take them a bit to get going again. You know, sometimes they need to reacclimate themselves with the rules, with the ball, with, I mean, it's, it's, it, it seems like minute things, but it, it can add up. And in a situation where the Magic aren't running plays, because this is the thing that really becomes apparent when you watch a German national team coached by Gordy Herbert compared to a Magic team coached by Jamal Mosley is, Like that pace, space, uh, you know, that pace, space, pass thing with Mosley, you're not really running set plays. Like you're doing all this dribble handoff stuff. Whereas with Herbert, even though it looked like Germany was doing a lot of ISO stuff, like they're still running sets. Like they're still getting guys open at times, Um, you know, especially at a timeout. like Gordy Herbert was amazing calling plays at a timeout. And Mosley just is not doing that. A couple times over the past year, I've mentioned how Mosley cost the Magic games early last season and how it was like a subtle tank job for that, along with him just being new and just making rookie head coach mistakes. He's making mistakes now, and I can only hope it's a decision to tank because if he's making these bad decisions with rotations, with all this zone defense that we don't need— with just lack of just offensive structure. And this team needs some structure. I'm sorry, it does. Um, or else we're going to just keep losing a bunch of games. And maybe that is the goal. You know, Weltham, they saw Scoot versus Wembenyama. And they're like, yep, we're going to tank one more year. And we're going to hold out guys with injuries longer than... Except for Jalen Suggs. Because we're going to just permanently let that guy get hurt all the time, I guess. But, um, you know, we're going to just... Purposely just hold out guys longer than they need to with their injuries. And yeah, the Magic are 0-5. They have the worst record in the league. So if they're tanking, they're winning the tank race at the moment. Even though those top, those you know, the worst three teams in the league finish with just 14% odds each at getting the number one pick. Like 14% that leaves a whole other 86% where you won't end up with the number one pick. So just keep that in mind because I know it worked out last season where we got Paolo, but think of all the other times over the past decade and even further back than that, where it hasn't just keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, it's with Franz. I'm I'm not too worried. Like he's, he is forced in three pointers. I mean, I could say that for half the magic roster where they're getting up forced attempts where it's just, it's not in the motion of the offense and, you know, Franz is getting a little iso happy, and we'll see if, if how he adjusts to that. But I, I'm not worried about him. He's going to be fine. Um, He's, he's going to, he's going to be fine. So next, I'm going to talk Cole Anthony, who we're going to miss now because unless the Magic sign a point guard, we don't have a point guard unless Markel Fultz gets back anytime soon. But, you know, that uh, oblique strain, that, that can be a tricky thing. I'm not even going to venture to guess when he's back. But, you know, Cole had started four games or sorry played four games he started three of them his minutes per game thirty and a half. and a half um he's our third best scorer at 15 and a half points per game three point shooting overall okay 35% from 3 like it's he's shooting five a game so that's you know that it's fine ideally for a guy like Cole you want him to be at 38 but you know 35 on this magic team that's again like the 28th worst three point shooting team in the league like, I guess you'll take that at the moment. His field goal percentage is at 41 and a half. That's fine. Rebounds, he's always going to be a decent rebounder uh, for his size. Four and a half uh rebounds per game, four point three assists per game, two turnovers, so it's not bad. Like the assist to turnover ratio, anytime you're two to one or better, like you'll take that. Um, he's almost at a block and a steal each average per game. Cole's one of those guys where you like also like with Franz, where Cole is shooting seventy three point three percent from free throw range. Uh, from free throw range, and you can't you can't shoot seventy three point three percent from the line. Like that's got to be over eighty percent. But the defense with him is the worry. Like he's offensively, he's handling contact amazingly because he put on the ten pounds of muscle, basically or or whatever five to ten pounds of muscle, and he's finishing really well through contact. Defensively, though, it, there's still a lot. Left to be desired. Like, he's still getting blown by a lot. Um, he's sending, I mean, he, he's doing a lot of physical things good, but he just can't keep guys in front of him. And you're never going to be able to be a starting ca- caliber point guard if, even though you're scoring 15 and a half per game, if you're giving more than that up on the other end, that's going to be a problem. So, but we're going to miss him. I mean, we need, we need an action. You know, he's our second and You know, we only have basically two true point guards on the team. And I would say Cole isn't even really a true point guard. He's more of like a, like a two guard, if anything, but he can actually like play point. But, um, now without him, without Fultz, like we're we're in some trouble here. All right, let's talk Wendell Carter Jr. So Wendell, he started all five games, 33.4 minutes per game. He's our fourth best scorer at 13.8 points per game. He's shooting 45.3% from the field not great for a big man like you want that to be over 50 percent um because his three-point shooting percentage is dragging it down he's at 3.6 attempts per game from three he's shooting 22.2 percent from three-point range which is god-awful last year he was mid-30s basically for a good chunk of the year and and a free throw wise he's shooting 81 percent from the free throw line that's fine he's averaging 13.8 points per game 10.2 rebounds per game so he's still averaging that double double um Blocks seem low at 0.4 blocks per game. Like it's the same amount as he's averaging steal-wise. Assists 2.4. It's fine. There's guys missing shots. Like there's gonna be games where he's gonna be almost throwing with a triple double. But you know the 2.4 assists per game seems low, but that's because we're not making shots. I will. I'll give credit to the Six Man Show guys who what uh, were at that second game of the season in Atlanta, where they noticed like. Wendell was favoring like that right wrist and he at some point had it wrapped too as well. Um, I did notice, and you notice it now, even in the Cleveland game, like he's when he's missing threes, they're usually pretty short. And usually there's two excuses for that. Either like it's a fitness issue and you're just winded and you're not in shape, which that's not the case. Wendell's in really good condition or some's bothering you. Some's hurting you. And you know, it, it looks like, Maybe there's something going on with it, with that hand with that wrist. I hope it doesn't linger because um, if it uh, does, it's it it might get a little worrisome for Wendell at times. You know, um, I'm not worried for him long term. I've viewed this guy as Horace Grant 3.0, where even if the Magic get another you know score to to add it to this roster, and he then becomes like the fourth or fifth best scorer. That's fine. That's okay. He's still going to average like a double double because he's going to grab so many rebounds and get a lot of garbage uh, uh, bucket attempts like Horace Grant did in the mid 90s for the Magic. Like, that's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm good with that. Now, I don't want to limit a ceiling though, because he very well could have, could, and he still could be an all star in the next year or two, like, he really could, that's why I don't want to put a ceiling on what this guy did, because, I mean, towards the end of last season, what he average, like, 18 and 12 before we sat him out to tank, like, the, the guy was awesome to, to finish last season, you know, when he was playing, so, hopefully, the shooting worries uh, go by the wayside, and he improves, um, if not, he might have to miss some time to get that wrist right, and, You know, I'm not worried about him long term wise, but for the moment, I I am concerned because I mean, he's way better than a 22.2% three point shooter. Some of those attempts, he's forcing them. He needs to let it kind of come to him. Maybe the coaching staff told him to launch more and that's kind of in the back of his head. Kind of like how it fucked up with Vooch's head that first year or two when he was shooting more threes, but we'll see with Wendell. Terrence Ross, the oldest man on the team, the only 30 year old on the team at 31 years old. He's at 33.4 minutes per game, the same as Wendell. Um, he's shooting 49.1% from the field, 42.9% from three-point range. So I'm sure the Magic are getting a lot of trade calls for him right now because that's awesome. That That's amazing. Um, I doubt he'll be able to to shoot 43% for the rest of the season. If he does, he's definitely going to get traded sooner than, than not. Um, there's going to be a contender that's going to want him. But he's averaging 13.6 per game. That's the fifth best on the team. And, I mean, that's basically what he's there for is to shoot. I mean, 3.4 rebounds per game, that's fine. but he's getting, like, a steal per game. But, again, he's kind of a gambler defensively. And he gets exposed a lot late in games. Like, he, he's fine early on in the game when teams aren't keying in on him. But when it comes crunch time, like, coaching staffs are going at Ross and Cole. And I need to emphasize that because I'm not hearing that from the other podcasts. Um, But yeah, I mean with Ross, he's, he's shooting great. He's one of the few guys that's shooting awesome. And I hope for his sake, he keeps it up. Suggs, he's only played, he only played those first two games. And I mean, he missed a good chunk of the Atlanta game. I mean, he, he shot horribly in Detroit. He shot amazingly in Atlanta for quite a stretch before he finally got hurt. So he's at 20 and a half minutes per game. He's our sixth highest score at 12 points per game. Still shooting 56.3% from the field, 44.4% from three point range. So, like I said, that Atlanta game really did him some good before he went out. So that, you know, that's nice to just see what the percentage is. Um 50% from the free throw line. Like I mean, that he just needs more games and more reps for that to go up. Um because again, that's just in two games. You can't really take a lot into that. The three point five turnovers per game. Is the most on this Magic team, and that's a big concern, because he was only getting two assists per game, so that that needs to change when he gets back. But he's he's not a point guard; his handles so loose that he needs to be shooting guard. And I think the Magic staff has figured that out. That hey, he needs to be kind of like a like a brand, prime Brandon Roy was in Portland, where decent secondary ball handler, but like you want this guy shooting. And again, if, if this kid got a shot right from three, he's going to be fine. He just needs to be healthy and he needs to actually be kept out and not be able to convince the staff, the training staff that, oh, he's fine when he's clearly not fine. Cause this screwed him up last season when he was limping the last four months of the season, you know, even though he was still playing pretty you know well in some stretches, but it's he was limping, and then he had the ankle surgery, which proved me right. Like something was wrong with him, and I understand why we let him play. And now it's, you know, we rushed him back. I thought, early. I mean, I definitely thought we rushed him back from the knee issue that I thought was going to keep him out till almost Thanksgiving at a minimum. And the fact that he came back immediately and missed like a week, basically, and missed no time in the regular season from that from that knee thing like it from that knee sprain i just i'm still stunned from that um and look it didn't i i highly doubt it contributed to his right ankle issue because that was like a fluke thing some people still say he heard it going up I still think he actually heard it more coming down the way his ankle kind of hit the touch the floor but you know people say it, it, it he rolled it when he went up but yeah and I remember the clip where he's, you know, he's saying like to the bench of the staff or whatever, like I rolled the shit out of it, or whatever. But um, it didn't look that bad when he was going up. It was it was concerning when he came down. So who knows how long Suggs is going to be out for? I I hope he figures it out. Um, and look, if he the big thing with him is he figured out the three point shot, then we're we're gonna we're gonna be good with him going forward in the long term. Because I mean he's. He did not have a good rookie season and we'll see, um, the best ability is availability and Suggs needs to work on the availability part. And again, a lot of that's a crap shoot. Like you can't help yourself if Joel Embiid smacks down your, on you and he, it breaks your thumb. Like Embiid is going to break 90% of the thumbs on, on earth that if he hit people with that amount of force that he did Suggs, like that's just going to happen. So, um, Bobo Bo already talked about Caleb Houston. So this is where we get finally to the end with Caleb and Chuma. Um, because I already had my complaints with RJ Hampton not playing. And the fact that Kevon Harris, our two way guy, one of our two way guys is playing more and not having Admiral Schofield even play a minute. It's a little interesting, um, even though I'm not as high on Admiral Schofield as other guys are, but like he's an okay, you know, he's a, he's an okay defender and, a, and an okay athlete, but like, offensively Schofield isn't doing much for you there. Um, but anyway, let's talk Cable Houston. So the Rook has had three, he's played three games, 19.3 minutes per game in the three games he's played. 33.3% from the field goal uh, with this field goal percentage, 25% from three point range at 1.3 attempts per game. So not great. Um, he is at 3.0 points per game getting two boards of contest in those 19 minutes, like he's, he's settling in. Um, I would probably give him the minutes over Chuma because Caleb has maybe the most pure shot on the team. Now with that three point shot, he's got to prove he can knock it down. It's obviously got to be a lot better than the 25% that he's hit so far, but I mean, he's barely really, you know, it's very early on like that. That's going to rise most likely. Um, but I would give him Chuma's minutes at the moment because Chuma who's also who's played all five games this season, but his minutes are, are dipping now. He's at 13.2 minutes per game. He's shot. He's shooting 28.6% from the field. So the only guys that have worse shooting percentages than him are Mo Bamba at 27.8 and Keevon Harris at 14.3. And there's Chuma at 28.6 shooting percentage per game. And then the three-point percentage is worse at 27.3. Um... And it's just bad. He's at two point six points per game in thirteen point two minutes per contest. And look, I know a lot of it is his. He's he's a secondary. I mean, he's he's one of just the the you know one of the guy one of the secondary pieces out there where he's like the fourth or fifth option a lot of the time on the floor now. And his three point shots broken. I don't know what I don't know what the Magic staff let him do to go from a a very solid shot that he had his rookie season to what it is now. And I never care about a person's three point shooting stroke or shooting stroke in general unless the shot's not going in. And the shot's not going in. And you know, because of that, I I can't justify Chuma getting minutes over Caleb Houston at the moment. Um, because Caleb plays defense about as good as Chuma does. And, you know, and Caleb's gonna make mistakes. I mean, he's a young kid, he's figuring stuff out, like he's made mistakes these first three games, but I you know. I don't, I don't know I don't know. I can't justify Chuma getting minutes at the moment. Like he's he's almost in that in a doghouse that's similar to Mo Bamba at the moment, just because of the the terrible state of his shot. So that's where I'm at with that and the roster. Um again, we're we're on 5 right now. I I have concerns going into Friday night because the Magic One, the Magic aren't scheduled to have a shoot around Friday morning, which is kind of crazy at the moment because you know, that's it's a little weird this early in the season when you're desperate for practice time in general because the Magic need a lot of practices. That's also another issue. The Magic haven't really had much time to practice. I mean, Brian Hills pointed that out. You know, I think Philip rossman Reichs pointed that out on his Locked On Ma- Magic pod as well. But, like, it's a little weird this early in the season when you're at home as well and you've had, you know, You didn't play yesterday. You played Wednesday, or you didn't play Thursday. You know you're not playing Thursday. You played Wednesday night, so you have that day gap in between. Um, It's a little weird to not have a shoot around. I don't know what's going on beyond that. We may not know till till after the game Friday, or they may not even talk about it at all. But it's a little strange to me that there's not a shoot around this early in the season when you clearly need the reps. Like this team has been a very poor, you know, three point uh, shooting team. And even their free throws could use some some help, some some practice, because they're not where they were quality was last season from a free throw shooting perspective. Um, again, the attempts are there, but you got to make them, and those misses have cost us games down the stretch. But are the Magic gonna stick it out with no true point guards until one of Cole, Folds, or Suggs comes back? And I don't even want Suggs playing point guard, but I mean it might come down to that. Or are the Magic gonna? go for that hardship exemption and try and actually sign somebody um, that's kind of lingering out there as a free agent. Or are they going to make a trade? You know, I already mentioned it as an option, but I mean, Russell Westbrook's trying to get the hell out of there. And I always, I've always liked Russell Westbrook. I am high on Russ. I, um, the only reason why I I wouldn't, I wouldn't have traded for him was I'd be worried that he'd take minutes away from guys like uh, Markel and, and Cole. But, both of them are hurt and you know, Russ is in the last year of his contract and it's a nice little expiring to have, but I'd like that guy's work ethic, man. And if you put him on this magic team, like he's a vet and now he's, and he's a vet with an ego because he's going to think immediately he's the best player in the gym. And that'll be interesting to see how that goes with Palo. But worse comes to worst. You know, if you try, if you bring him in and, it's hurting the development of say guys like Paolo or Franz. You can just cut them then at that point. Cause for the magic to take on Westbrook, it have to be like a three or four team trade. Cause the magic don't have the contract straight up with to, to do a trade with the Lakers. I don't believe. And you know, you'd have to give up guys like Isaac, which <laughs> a lot of people still don't want to do. I, you know, until I see that guy on the floor again, in actual real minutes, he doesn't exist in my mind as a basketball player. Um, I know I. It can't be Suggs now. So then you're looking at you know would you give up Bamba and Ross? I would, but um, especially if you can get you know those Lakers draft picks, um, I, I would definitely think about it. But we'll see. You know, yeah. I I appreciate you listening to another episode of the Pod. Uh, you know, I, I jumped around a lot, but I actually covered about as much as I wanted to cover tonight. Uh, please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. It helps our podcast ranking a lot. Uh, The more, the merrier with the rankings. Like we, we can use all the help we can get. You know, I don't. I'm never gonna add ads to this show ever. Like I've trust me, I've been offered. I have no interest in playing ads, and I don't think I'll. uh, You know, I'll I'll open or create a Patreon. I won't do that. Like if I have giveaways to give away to you guys, I'll do it because, you know, I'm blessed to have a lot of Magic Media. Or a lot of magic memorabilia that I've collected, you know, in my thirty-four years on this planet Earth. So, um, if I can share the wealth with others that that want it and don't have it, the more the merrier in my mind. But tweet us any of your feedback and questions. Uh, Peter, uh, Penny's Twitter handle is at Spencer Strode, and I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go magic. Please beat Charlotte on Friday.